Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Before we jump into today's episode, who remembers episode 40 with realtor Tyler Kuhn of Savvy Realty in the North Carolina market? We talked about how to find the perfect market for your short-term rental. And we also talked about why it's important to work with realtors who understand the short-term rental industry and are co-hosts and hosts themselves when you're making your STR purchase. This team knows what it takes to turn a simple property purchase into a big investment without wasting time or resources along the way. So if you are just trying to flip a house, rent out your home, or turn a brand new property into a profitable business, Savvy Realty is the team to help you do it. Tyler and the team are going to look at more than just the specs of the home and number of bedrooms and bathrooms, but is this a property that is likely to get booked by guests? How's it going to do? How are reviews going to be? What's the regulation about short-term rentals in the area? Is there an HOA or CCNRs to look out for? Truly, with a purchase this big, you just want to make sure that you have the experts there holding your hand along the way. Follow the link in the show notes to book a call with a Savvy Realty agent today so that you know your next STR purchase is backed by a realtor who is a host themselves and knows what to look for. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. Today, I have on Helen Christopher. Let me tell you guys how I found this guest. She did an episode on Stacey St. John's show, STR Sisterhood, and as soon as I finished listening to it, I reached out to Stacey and I said, you have to introduce me to Helen. I just loved her energy and her story was so unique, and you'll hear today that she is very honest about the fact that she had no experience getting into this, which I just found really, really inspiring. And I think a lot of us have been there and are overthinking things. So Stacy luckily made the intro and here we are having Helen on. Um, what's so interesting about her situation is with her short-term rental, she actually bought out an entire campground and now lets people rent out the entire space as an event venue or for weddings. And I just find that fascinating. So I wanted to dive into that and all the logistics that come with having an event venue. So Helen, welcome. And give us the quick intro, catch us up to speed on your journey and how you ended up owning a campground with zero experience. Well, thanks for having me, Natalie. I appreciate it. Uh, So originally it wasn't, if you told me five years ago that this is where I would be, I would, I would laugh. Um, I used to be an elementary teacher. I was a teacher for 17 years and we had attended a wedding here at Brookledge probably about seven or eight years ago. Our friend, um, got married here. And at the time it was not a summer camp. So it stopped being a summer camp around 2010, 2011. Um, and it was privately owned and, uh, he was friends with the owner. So they let him get married here. And we just really enjoyed the property. We thought it was so cool because you felt like you were in the heart of the Adirondacks, which is a very popular, um, mountain rural area here, but you're only 15 minutes from Saratoga. 
So you're close to the city, you're close to everything. And the property was just filled with streams and ponds and trees and hills. I mean, it's just, it's exactly what you picture when you think of like, I'm going to go to a cozy cabin in the woods. So we loved that. And we loved that you were still close to like Target, you know, and all the stuff you needed. <laughs> yeah, where's my dad? Yeah. Oh my God. My dad always says when you buy a house, you know, everybody obsesses over like being near a good school or a school district. My dad is like, no, you need to make sure you're close to a Home Depot. That is the so most true. important part. <laughs> Home Depot, Target, all of those yep. things. Um, so fast forward, I teaching was kind of losing its its luster for me. And so I was looking to do something else. And for whatever reason, I'd hopped on a real like a real estate kind of listing and I saw that Brookledge was for sale. So I told my husband and he's like, no way. It's like, yeah. So we looked at it and unfortunately at that time it was already under contract with somebody who had plans of turning it into an RV park. We told the ladies um, that owned it, if it ever falls through, to call us. And by some miracle, it fell through. So they reached out to us. And then within two weeks of them contacting us, we put our house on the market and we moved onto the property. The reason we moved on the property right away is because it was a change of school district for my son. And this was in the middle of the summer and he was going into middle school and I wanted him to start in the new district in middle school for the beginning of the year. I didn't want him to switch halfway. So that meant we had to move into the nurse's office, which is a whopping 400 square feet. And then we sold our house. This was when the housing market, um, do you remember like 2021 when it was crazy? Yeah. Like they were, you couldn't, couldn't keep a house on the market. So our house sold pretty quickly and, um, and we did well on it. So we were able to use that money to, to make the renovations here on the property. And so, yeah, so now we live in the nurse's office. We're still here. It's um, going to be two years this summer and we've been fixing up the property and we now have a bunch of events scheduled for this year. And it's been great. It's been a really awesome journey. I mean, hard, but amazing. So you attended a wedding at Brookledge and then years mm -hmm. later happened to find it for sale online. Was this like on Zillow or Redfin or was this like a commercial? It was on Realtor.com. Realtor.com. Like, okay. Yeah. One of those that like lists a whole bunch of different places. Okay. Found it mm -hmm. again, decided you want to buy it and then sold your own house to move into a 400 square foot space and have been renovating this ever since. That's Yeah. Was your and husband like a girl? What are we doing here? Or was he like fully you know, on board? <laughs> I, I thought, so my husband is not a person that loves change. So for, and I'm fine with it. I'm just like, you know, throw caution to the wind. For whatever reason, he was a hundred percent on board with this. He loved the property. He saw the potential. He, he could see it too. So he did not have any hesitation, but everyone around us, they couldn't believe we sold our house and we had just finished renovating it. It was um, like a traditional colonial, it was about 3000 square foot house. So to say that we sold that and then moved into a 400 square foot cabin that had no running water or anything. Um, at, the, at the beginning we were using the, the summer camp bathhouses. So oh. everything we had to do, we had to walk down to the bathhouse to wash dishes or anything. So it was a big adjustment. My son was kind of in shock because he didn't even know we were looking at it. So then all of a sudden we're like, all right, bud, here's a box. This is all you can fit in your room. Um, pack up your favorite things. Oh <laughs> and God. that was it. So it it was a huge adjustment more so for my son than I feel that my for my husband and I. Um, because we had mentally prepared ourselves. He had no clue. Mm. How's <laughs> he, he no doing clue, he, with it now? Has he embraced it? Mm -hmm. 
he loves it. He loves his new school. He went from a really large um, school district to a class of 50. Um, mm-hmm. So his whole grade is 50 kids. And wow. they've embraced him. They love what we've been doing with the property. The community has really been super supportive. And looking back on it, it was the best decision we've made. Is he now like, I remember growing up and there were like certain kids who had like the really cool house and the cool backyard with like the pool and the water slide and everything. Is he now the kid with like the really cool house people go to and it's just like Um, a campground? (laughs) Well, in the beginning, yes. But now the hard part is when we have guests. Mm. So when we have guests, he can't go out and ride his, you know, dirt bike and make those, that noise. He's got to be respectful. So there was a little bit of a learning curve. Because not only is this his house, but it's also our business. Right. So that was the one adjustment. But in the beginning, before we opened up to guests, it, it was, yeah, they were they were fishing and hiking and, and doing all of the things that the kids love to do. He's 13 now. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, they still they still love it. And, and we love having the kids here. Amazing. Okay. So let's jump into the property itself. Can you paint mm-hmm. a picture for us? Like how many acres is this? How many units are there? Um, and I know that you do host weddings there. Is there like an uh, indoor reception area or are these like outdoor weddings? Is it seasonal? I have so many questions about this. <laughs> okay. So the property is 60 acres. On the property, there are two ponds and a stream. So throughout the property, pretty much wherever you are, there's water somewhere. The backstory on the ponds, which I've learned some fun history. Before it was a girls' summer camp, in the 1800s, families from New York City um, owned the property. They were German families, and they this was like a vacation getaway. There's The reason there's two ponds, one was for the girls and one was for the boys. So they didn't allow in the 1800s um, unmarried boys and girls to swim together. So we have two ponds. The larger girl pond is what ended up becoming the summer camp pond. They call it the ice bucket because it's spring fed and super cold. But that is also kind of the heart of where our events are. We have a cabin, a log cabin that looks like a Lincoln log house, like when you're a kid, like the green roof and the logs. We added that to the property. We also have a cottage that used to be the girls' dressing room, so where they would change to get into the pond. We moved it, so it sits on top of boulders now. Like, I found these boulders on the property that I just love. So that one sits up high. It's about 20 feet. It's adorable. It's got a big wraparound um, porch. We are in the process of finishing the lodge. I built an indoor treehouse inside the lodge. Um, I just, for whatever reason, I thought it'd be cool when you walked in, if you walked under the treehouse, so it'll have trees inside the building. There will also be stars in the center of the room. So when you look out of the treehouse, you look at the glass stars, there's about 25 of them. And then the original fireplace is still in there, uh, which the building itself is about 80 years old. So we are going to be finishing that up in like two weeks because I have a a photo shoot there in two weeks. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. No pressure. Yep. And then we have the glamping tents, two bathhouses that have four stalls each um, in there and then showers. And then there are three pavilions. So one of the pavilions is 60 by 40, which accommodates about 150 people. That has a fireplace. There's another pavilion next to it, which has a bar area. And then there's a third pavilion that we use as like the welcome center has, um, like we set up like a water station and things like that. 
because all of our entertainment spaces are open air pavilions, our season really is from end of May, beginning of June to October. Okay. What happens Mm -hmm. in off season with those? Do you have to like tent it off or like, does it full on get snow in it? No, they're okay. They're a metal roof. Okay. Um, So they can, they can withhold the snow. We do still rent the cabin. So the cabins have been rented all winter long. They, um, they've been, it's funny, the winter guests have been more like couples looking for like kind of cozy, quiet, romantic getaway. And the summertime, it just tends to be more family friendly. Okay. Oh yeah. So my, my avatar changes, my yeah. guest avatar changes depending on the season. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause kids in the summer, it's like perfect, but in the winter, you're not going to like coop up, you know, three kids in there yeah. with no room to run around or anything. Okay. Exactly. That makes exactly. sense. And, um, we've actually had two engagements oh. in, uh, the log cabin this year. So, so when it's off season off of wedding season, and it's just typically being used as like short-term rentals, how many units can you rent? So right now we have the two cabins. Once the lodge is done, then we'll be able to add the third. The problem that we have- And the glamp sites too, right? The glamp sites we can't do in the wintertime. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, we would have to put, you can, you would have to put heat in them. Um, but the winter season's quiet here. Okay. So it, I feel like as far as the return on investment to maintain them, I don't feel it would be beneficial. Okay. Uh, to, to maintain them. The, um, going to the lodge, the lodge will be done, but the problem we have is that this was, the property was designed as a summer camp. So that means the well and the water lines were designed for summer use. Mm -hmm. So we had to shut our well down in November and we had to do a whole new well for, for us, for the nurse's office because otherwise there's no water. The water freezes in the the lines. Um, So we have to redo this spring, the well house and all of the, we have to retrench all of the lines so that they're four feet below ground. So that will be the next um, thing that we'll have to do for the lodge, but we'll be able to use that come springtime. And then by November, we have, we should have had all the water taken care of by then. Okay. And then in the it's summer. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah, seriously. And then in the summer, how many units, how many active rentals can you have at the same time? Um, we can have the four going at once. So okay. the lodge, the two cabins, and the glamping tents. Okay. Um, you are allowed to bring additional glamping tents for events. And so we have partnered with a company that that's what they do. They're traveling glamping tents. Yeah. So if you had somebody that needed more uh, sleeping quarters, we could bring those in for just the event. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know when it comes to doing events there and weddings, how does this work with your booking calendar? Are you like listing each individual, the cabins, the lodge, the glamp sites, are those all on Airbnb or on a direct booking site? And then what do you do if somebody, I'm so intrigued by like how you manage the calendar because if you open too far in advance you might have to say no to a wedding that wants the entire space because one glam site has been booked already so how do you uh, balance all this yeah so that's a great question and that was something I had to think about uh so as far as the Airbnb and VRBO what I do is I open up the weekdays because you don't have weddings Monday through Thursday. Okay. So I book those out farther um, in advance. Those are open. My Monday or my Friday to Sunday stays blocked until the month prior. Most weddings book way in advance, but um, we did have a wedding last year that booked two months prior. 
So we keep those blocked and we open them up once it's about four to six weeks. Okay. And the reason for that is the weekend pricing with no event is a third of the cost for a wedding. And that's because you don't need the staffing. You're not having as much wear and tear on your property and you're not having to carry the extra insurance and those types of things. So, but I do have, like, I I have a couple that booked the entire place for like bachelor, bachelorette parties. Um, The boys are staying on one side, the girls are staying on the other and they meet in the pavilion to have like dinners and barbecues and, and they're doing different activities. And so we can help with that too. What's nice is having the multiple buildings that allows us to do family reunions, corporate retreats, all those types of things. That is so cute. Okay. So one thing I want to spend time on with that, you said that it costs a third to just book out the the whole place versus for a wedding. Um, I remember when I was getting married, I got married like at an estate that's an Airbnb listing. And then there was a note that said, if you're trying to book this for a wedding, reach out to us separately because there's different rates for that. And I think the difference was pretty much, yeah, like three times, if if I remember correctly. And I remember a lot of people saying when I was planning my wedding, like, don't tell anyone you're getting married. Don't tell your, your baker and don't tell your florist because they add the wedding tax, you know, and that's like the common little thing that they say, don't tell anyone. But I think you're like making it very clear that there's not just like people hear the word wedding and are trying to upcharge you three times. There's so many more expenses with that. So what are some of the things that you have to account for when you're doing a wedding venue? Other costs, I know you already touched on like insurance, extra staffing, but what else is there that just a regular short-term rental host would not have to think about? Yeah. So there's, there's quite a bit. Um, the insurance piece is pretty expensive. You actually have to have two separate policies. So you have, the venue has their own insurance and then every single vendor and the couple have to carry insurance. So that's another piece. Uh, the staffing, the maintenance, making sure everything is um, accessible for vehicles. Like you have to have, um, like we had to widen all of our pathways so that if a florist wanted to decorate a certain space, they can get there. Um, allowing, making sure that the groundwork, everything is level uh, so that you can accommodate extra chairs and tables. There's all these little things that you don't necessarily think about. When we have an event, we have to hire an extra person to watch the pond to make sure that their children don't decide to go swimming. Oh my God. As far as alcohol and things being served, uh, you have to make sure that nobody is wandering the property and that you're going to have alcoholic beverages, you know, throughout the woods. The parking, um, you have anywhere from like 40, 50, 60, 100 vehicles are going to be parking on the grass. So you're going to have to be reseeding often. So there's a lot of that type of thing that people don't think of like, well, yeah, we'll just have a wedding in the backyard, but there's a lot to it. Lighting, electricity for the DJ. There's there's a big pieces. And the advertising, to advertise for weddings is astronomical. Um, I mean, just it, it in the advertising that we would have to do to really be fully booked, it would cost me about two weddings to just pay for advertising. Wow. So it, it's a lot. Um, the website and the, the branding, there's just so much to it before somebody even books. So that that's the big piece um, to that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I'm loving the brides, the couples. We have our own wedding coordinator that works here. So she helps with all the planning and coordinating the vendors. But it's been, um, it's a big, big, 
process and a big expense. So that's one of the reasons why you have to take it back. One of the areas that couples want to get married, there's an old fireplace from the German families from the 1800s. It's huge, like six feet wide, seven feet tall. It's this huge stone fireplace. And so the couples, they want to get married there because it's this um, really moody, woodsy kind of vibe. It's completely surrounded by hardwood trees. It's, it's gorgeous. But what they don't think about is I have to make it handicap accessible. I have to make it so that there's electricity down there for the, the um, DJ. We have to have lighting down there. We have to have benches and places for guests to sit. The ground has to be level. We need a place for the bride to walk. Uh, so we're building a wooden pathway so her dress oh doesn't gosh. get destroyed. Yeah. So there's a lot of little things that go into it if you're going to do it right. Wow. Yeah. This is the stuff people just do not think about. Like you said, oh, backyard wedding. We'll just book out mm -hmm. the place and bring our guests. But there's a whole entire logistical piece that goes into it. Um, yeah. One one thing, too, that I'm like a question coming to mind. Do you use like a PMS for all of the short term rentals? And if you do, does that you know, you can link up like your Airbnb, your Verbo, your direct booking, your price labs, all of that. Can you also link up your PMSs with Wedding Wire and these other like booking or are there? I guess my question is, like, how do you manage both businesses, like the short-term rentals and the, the wedding venue? Do you have to do a lot of stuff manually, or are you able to integrate all of this? There's some manual stuff. They're actually, like, two totally separate entities. Okay. So in the wedding world, the PMS system is called a CRM. Okay. Um, which stands for Client... Revenue Management. Yeah, something. Management, something <laughs> like that. And it's different because you have what's called the pipeline and it's where your guests or your client would inquire and then they book the tour and then you send the proposal. And so like, there's this whole kind of, um, they call it the pipeline, but kind of a, a path or system that you follow. It would be really hard to connect that. Like my CRM will not connect to Airbnb and VRBO okay. because it's designed for clients and weddings and guests. So when a wedding books, I have to manually go and block off those dates, but they're already blocked ahead of time, unless they were planning on doing something in the middle of the week. For the most part, they're blocked and I unblock them as we get closer. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. I, I wish there was something and I talk, so the, the, the company I use is called Weaven and I tell them the, the trend. So do you remember about 10, 15 years ago, the trend was all like barns. Yep. Everything was barns. Everyone wanted to get married in a barn. Summer camp or places with lodging, not a hotel, but places with individual little spaces is the next big trend. I did not know that when we bought that, but that's the next trend. Summer camp venue places like this. So I explained to, to Weaven, they're a newer company. They're working on like making adjustments that they need a, a lodging component in their system yeah. that would integrate with Airbnb, VRBO, or some type of direct booking website. So it's something I mentioned because this is going to be the theme or um, kind of a, a, a big turn for couples. They don't want just one day. They're yep. booking for a weekend. Yep. So they come on a Friday, they stay, they do the rehearsal, they wake up relaxed, they spend the whole day together Saturday, end with a bonfire, and then they have breakfast Sunday morning and then they leave. So 
they're wanting a full weekend. They don't Mm -hmm. want just six hours anymore. That is exactly. So I got married in 2020. Get this. I got married February 29th, 2020. And at my wedding, it was exactly that we booked an estate. So like my whole bridal, like I actually didn't have a bridal party. I just had my sister was my maid of honor and my husband, his brother was his best man. But our friends who like would have been bridesmaid and groomsmen like stayed at the estate with us and we had the whole weekend and it was amazing. We got to have the rehearsal dinner there on site and everything and the timing was just crazy because I remember at my wedding people were like, have you heard of this COVID thing? Yeah, I don't know. And nine days later, like oh, everything, you got lucky. everything was shut down. I had like four friends who were supposed to get married that summer all had to either like cancel or postpone and I was getting my wedding photos back. I felt like such a bitch posting my like photos and everything, (laughs) knowing everyone else had to cancel. Mm -hmm. But that is like, you know, early 2020, we got married like at an estate like that. And it was just amazing, like having the place for the entire weekend. And it was so relaxed being able to have the venue set up the day before and have the rehearsal dinner there and everything on site. We had a pool party that night and... Yeah, like brunch on Sunday before we left. And I think you're right that that is the next big trend. And I am very surprised to hear that there's not a platform out there that's already combining those two pieces. Like this is such an obvious. Yeah, yeah, there's not. I mean, a lot of the places that have the lodging, they're a hotel. Mm -hmm. And so they already have their own system. So a place that's just designed for wedding venues there, it hasn't caught up yet. Um, but the other thing too, that they're talking, that's pretty big is people who have short-term rentals that, that offer, like you said, a bigger place, couples are seeking out those types of spots where you could have multiple people stay. You can rent it for the weekend. You reduce the stress. The other part too, is if there's a wedding venue that's close to you. So for example, there's a, a wedding venue about 10 minutes from us they don't have lodging. And what's happening is the couples are like, where would our guests stay? They have to drive, you know, all the way to Saratoga. If you have a short-term rental and you're close to a venue, give them your name and they can add you as a preferred lodging venue or like vendor. And with your system, when somebody books with us, they get a list of all of our preferred vendors. And I have a section for lodging. And if you don't, if you have a guest that you want to stay close by, but you don't want them to stay here at Brookledge, I list local like short-term rentals, like whether through Airbnb and I went through Airbnb and I met with the, the host and I said, can I come take a look at it? Make sure that it's, you know, up to the standards we would have for a wedding. And they are now getting free advertising with me wow. because I'm just adding them. It's a benefit for me. But really, it benefits them because the guests can book directly with them if they'd like, or they just give me their Airbnb link, and I just put it right in my system, and the guests can click on it. That's so collaborative. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you're close to a venue, reach out because in the next five years, it's going to really hurt them that they don't have lodging. So Mm -hmm. you're going to become an asset for them. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the fact that you're talking about this and that there's not like really a good platform to manage all of this and stuff. I think that this is a hint that this really truly is the next big thing like you're talking about. It's the whole big discussion right now in short term rentals is saturation. And it sounds like this is one area that is not 
even close to saturated. It's not even, it's barely even touched at this point. Um, and I even remember the venue where I got married. I, it was so hard to find them. They were not listed on Wedding Wire or anything like that. I found the Airbnb listing first and then just looking at it, I was like, this would be perfect for like the size is so good. And then looking through the house rules, there was like a little note that was like, find us on this website if you want to book for events. Um, yeah. And, I and the wedding wire and the knot are just so expensive. I mean, yeah. I think they're like $1,500 a month. Um, so it's a lot for somebody that unless you're doing them all the time, yeah. we're not advertising yet on there just because we're still in the renovations. But it's it's a lot. And, and that's the reason why weddings are expensive. Where are you doing most of your advertising right now for the wedding portion? Social media okay. has been pretty big for us. So Instagram and Facebook. And the people who had events with us last year, they had found us through word of mouth. A lot of their guests have reached out to us. Like they've attended it and they loved it and, and they followed that way. We've also been doing wedding expos. Um, we've done two so far. And I mean, we're the only place that's a summer camp at the moment. So yeah. people that really want that outdoorsy kind of relaxed vibe, um, we joke around that we're really like fancy flannel. Like that's kind <laughs> of our, our style, you know, it's very casual and, but you can still like dress up. You just don't wear heels and you, you're comfy. So that's, that's kind of what the couples are looking for. Um, you know, the, the younger generation, I'm, I mean, I've been almost married, actually our anniversary is coming up and we've been together 20 years, but back, you know, the group that's coming up now, there are no fuss. They just want some good food. They want, you know, be surrounded by their closest people and they want space and no stress. And I kind of envy them because the weddings that we had back in the day were very stressful. You miss the whole thing. You forget, you know, they were done in like six hours. I mean, the funny thing is I eloped. So um, (laughs) it's kind of funny that... (laughs) <laughs> a, um, a wedding venue, oh but we did have a whole wedding planned and it was so stressful that we canceled it and we eloped. So if there was a place like this that you meet, they, ha- they do everything for you. Like our wedding coordinator, she's amazing. And she walks you through all the steps. She, she goes through everything you need to know. And then you pick your cabin that you want to hang out in and you're done. Like, it's great. I love the irony of that. Planning one wedding was too stressful, but you became an event, a wedding event owner. (laughs) I know, but that's why I hired Brooke. Um, That's why we have Brooke because, and she was a COVID bride as well. So she really understands it. It's, it's nice having her. And she's also up to date on like wedding trends and things like that. Um, I know the venue piece, but she's good at like telling me, no, Helen, like that's (laughs) That, she's like, that's so 10 years ago. Come on. <laughs> yeah, burlap runners, mason jar centerpieces. That's done. That's yeah, done. <laughs> done. I do love the new stuff coming though. Everything is bright, colorful patterns. Um, nothing is like cookie cutter. Every table is different. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that, yeah. that the creativity is back, which what, is cool. What size weddings can you accommodate? How many people? So right now, the way the pavilion is set up, 150. Uh, We are actually extending the pavilion. Um, Natalie, you're going to love this. So I love the stars. And because where we are, there's no light pollution. So you see the sky like crystal clear. I'm extending the pavilion and putting a clear roof. 
So at night you can look, I know, right? At night you can look up. So once that's up and running, we'll easily be able to do 200 more, but I'm designing it to look a little different than the original pavilion. So that if you wanted to make that like your cocktail hour, or if you wanted to use it for some, or your dance floor, like how cute would it be to dance under the clear, clear roof? Yeah. Yeah. So that will be completed this spring. Amazing. And then you could like, yeah, you could drape off the section between the clear roof and the metal roof if you want to turn it over for a cocktail hour. Amazing. Have a big grand opening, cover the whole thing. Yeah. So you can really make it what you want. Um, We have one bride. She is getting married by that um, stone fireplace and you have to walk through the woods, this trail, and she's doing pictures. So as you enter the trail... One side is the groom side, one side is the bride side, and it starts with the grandparents. And then you like kind of go through the family history. And at the end, when you get to them, you see their story. And it's like pictures going all the way down the trees. It's so cute. Like the stuff that they can come up with. Yeah. I love it. So creative. So you, so staff wise, you have a full-time wedding coordinator and is she the one like giving tours to couples and communicating back and forth? Um, doing the form right now that's still me okay so once a couple books then they get to work with Brooke okay it's kind of a newer thing to a lot of the venues kind of went away from that they used to have an like an event planner coordinator and then COVID happened and that kind of like went away and now starting to come back so right now the way Brooke works she works like per wedding my goal is that once we are really rocking and rolling with all the weddings that we'll be able to have her full-time but right now she works per wedding okay but everyone does it differently catering and alcohol what do you do for that do you guys have an in-house kitchen or people are free to bring in their own caterer so the problem with doing it in-house it costs a lot yeah a lot so you have to have a completely complete commercial kitchen. So what's interesting is the lodge had a commercial kitchen that was built for the summer camp. If we were to use that, we'd have to invest at least another $80,000, $90,000 to make it so that it would be appropriate for Department of Health standards. And so because that's, that's just the cost to like one time get it up and running. Then what are your expenses ongoing to buy all the food and have the that many... Food staff yeah. and chefs. The food, the staffing. The one thing that you can do though, is once you have a legit like business and you have your own LLC, you get a, an EIN, an employee identification number that allows you to work with wholesale food companies. Um, so you wouldn't go and like buy all your food at like a local grocery store. You'd work with like a restaurant Cisco distribution or center. One of those. Okay. So you're able to get the food discounted a okay. little bit. Um, but you're also buying it in large quantities. So that means you have to have refrigerator and freezer space to accommodate that. Uh, so then you have the power, the because you're now running all these large appliances. So like the refrigerator, if you take your like basic at-home refrigerator and double it, that's like the size of the refrigerator. Yeah. So you have that piece. If you're on a well, then you have to test your water every single day. So if you don't have city water, like, you know, through a muni- yeah. municipality. So that's why if you're doing like an Airbnb and you're planning on doing events, you need to make sure your water is up to code because oh otherwise you could be liable if someone were to get sick. It's a big, it's a big to do. So for that reason, all of our catering is done out of like, we bring it in. Yeah. So we work with caterers, but the caterers have to have a certificate of insurance. And the reason for that is if you were to have, let's say, Aunt Betty is going to cook all of the food for the for the couple, 
and then there's food poisoning or something happens, she is liable, you're liable, the couple's liable. So if you have a company that has their own insurance, we have our own insurance, the couple has their own insurance, everybody's covered. So it has to be a reputable vendor that has the insurance. Is this a state law for you guys or these are your personal requirements? Because I know when I got married, not all of my vendors were insured and they, the venue did not check. They didn't care. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's not a law that I'm aware of, but it's more of a liability. Yeah. Okay. So I could let somebody come and do the food, but if, if they get sick, right. They're not going to be able to cover all the medical expenses. And then who does it fall on? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and the thing too, doing a wedding, cooking for that many people, it's not the same for cooking like Christmas dinner. Right. So you really want to have somebody who knows what they're doing right. so that you're not having that stress. And and so we partner with a lot of local vendors and we help the couples, you know, we'll say, okay, this person, if you're looking for a barbecue, this person's great. If you're looking for a sit down, like we help guide them because every caterer has their own style and their own kind of niche that they they specialize in. What about the other types of events you guys do? Corporate and um, like with, because one thing I'm, that comes to mind is with weddings, you have, you know, best friends and family there. And so maybe they like lodging together and it's like a more intimate group. But with corporate, are they lodging at your place? Is it like weird having like coworkers sleep well, together then, or do they have to yeah. like get lodging off site and then come? Yeah. So we do have corporate events. We do have one and these are like smaller businesses. So like one of the businesses um, that has booked for the summer, it's a veterinary office. They're all kind of, they're kind of like family, you know, they all work well together, but our lodging is very spread out. So if you are at the cottage, you can't see anybody else. So it's very private. It's not like a campground, you know, like you come out of the camper and there's like your neighbors right there. You can't see each other. So that's one of the reasons they like that is it does give the guests privacy and it does allow them to spread out. But then when they want to get together, they all meet at the pavilion and the pond and and they hang out there. So that's been a bonus. Family reunions, people love it for family reunions. And then a lot of the bachelor bachelorette parties, that's becoming kind of a thing that they want to do it together do a weekend. And some of them don't want to do any of the cooking and that type of thing. So we have caterers that come and we'll do all the food for them for the weekend. Yeah. That is so cool. Do you have a preference? Like if it were up to you, I know you make more money from the weddings, but if the money weren't an issue, do you like doing events more or running it as separate STRs? If the money wasn't an issue, you know, there's pros and cons to both. The, The nice thing about the events is you're part of like a really special moment that they're always going to remember. Like it's always going to be, oh yeah, mom and dad got married at Brookledge. You know, it's always going to be that special thing that you're part of. I get emotional at every single ceremony. Mm. Like people are like, come on, Helen, get together. (laughs) But it's just so amazing to see you work with them where the guests that stay in the cabins, like sometimes I get to meet them, but they're in and out. Yeah. So it does, it's easier. It's a lot less work for me, but the connections I get to make with the, at the events is pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see like people's dreams come together. Um, But I, you know, it's nice when there's a weekend when it's just guests that are (laughs) relaxing in the cabins and I'm not having to do as much 
it is nice. Yeah. Okay. I think I've wrapped up most of my questions for you, except I have one burning question. Have you had any bridezillas or like what's the craziest like wedding guest story that has happened so far? Honestly, no. They've all been amazing. Um, And I really, there haven't been really any bad ones. And I'm going to ask you a question when this is going to air, because I have a surprise I can reveal. The reason I'm saying that we have a couple that is having a surprise wedding. So what I mean by that is the couple got married during COVID and they couldn't have the the wedding they wanted. I was looking to do a photo shoot to highlight some of the new stuff that we have so that I can update my website. I had reached out to a friend and said, hey, do you know anybody that is a newer bride that would be okay coming and taking pictures? So we found found out the story about this couple. They think they are doing a photo shoot. So I got them a dress. Um, He has a tux. They're going to have all the, the bells and whistles. They're going to have hair and makeup. And they think they're doing a photo shoot. When they and they are, they are doing a photo shoot. But when they are done, I'm going to be bringing them to the pond area. During that time, their friends and family are going to be in the lodge, which is why I have to have the lodge done in a couple of weeks. Oh my gosh! So when I tell them, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna go take pictures in the lodge, they're gonna walk under the treehouse, and then all their family and friends are gonna be there. They're renewing their vows. We have flowers. There's food, music, the whole thing, and they have no idea. Okay, when Zero. you said surprise wedding, I assumed that the couple was like surprising the guests. Like they invited no. them for a party and they're like the couple the is being surprised. So tomorrow I'm actually going with the bride to pick out a dress because I have to make sure the dress fits with what we're looking to do right. here. So, but she thinks she's just going to try on a dress that I'm going to be using for the photo shoot. Little does she know that it's the dress she's going to be renewing her vows in and like doing all like the wedding oh stuff. Oh my god. Yeah, so in two weeks, she's going to be getting a wedding and she has no idea. And neither the groom doesn't know. Nobody knows except the mom and the aunt and oh, her not, dad. Not even the guests. They think that they're just showing up for what, like so a fun? A lot of them haven't been invited yet because I told them don't reveal the secret. So, um, and it's going to be small, like 25 to 30 people. Okay. I told them, I'm like, you can't have like 150 people come here because there's no way I'm going to hide that. So yeah, so it's under 30 people and we have a, a videographer coming, a photographer. I have a social media person coming to like help me take pictures of everything. So yeah, like that's, that's so probably going to be the craziest one we have this year just oh because they have no idea. I can't even imagine her reactions. Like she's the sweetest, sweetest person ever. You need and to capture like the best content for this. This is going to be, I already see it. This is going to go like viral on TikTok. This moment of her, of the bride, not even knowing she was getting married that day. Can you imagine though? That's amazing. (laughs) And so I've been doing some research. So like I found out her favorite music. We found out her colors. So we're designing all the colors and everything to be based on what she would have wanted that day. Um, But I mean, you know, a lot of the the brides in the last couple of years that kept getting canceled. So she just got married and and uh, never really got to have that big party and reception and all of that. So oh gosh. we're going to do that. I know. I, I mean, That's honestly, amazing. that would have been the kind of wedding I would want if someone just you know did the whole thing Planned and I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's good. I'm so excited. And Brooke is like 
planning all of this and she's having like the best time. And the vendors have been amazing. A lot of them are, are give, doing it for free. Like the flowers, mm. they're doing it for free. The photography, the, the, all the video stuff, they're all doing it because they all want to be part of this. That's incredible. That's so like rewarding too, that you built something that the vendors even would like be willing to do something for free for like clearly that shows just how I don't know how special the venue is and everything that people would be willing to do that. That's amazing. Um, I'm I'm super excited. I'm a little stressed, but I'm excited. Yeah, the, the dress is the big stress right now is making sure that we have a dress for her because you can't order it. It, She's got to, we've got to find a dress that she fits in Mm -hmm. that will work. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow is a little stressful. <laughs> and she doesn't even know it's a wedding dress. Mm-hmm. How did you find this this couple or how did the mom who's planning it reach out to you? So what happened was uh, her aunt is a friend. So my son and her son are friends and his mom, her, her name is, um, oh my gosh, I want to draw a bank, Michelle. Um, so when I talked to, to her, she was like, I've got the perfect girl that would be to, to take pictures. We were just talking at a birthday party. It was her son's birthday party. I was like, I need to find a bride, you know, that that would be okay, like taking pictures and, and doing all of that. And so she's like, I've got the perfect person. So when she told me about Kendra and when she told me her story, she's like, what do you think? Could we like just do like a little like reception for her like some food or something like that and then it's just like snowballed into like a full wedding it's like we have an officiant like the whole thing oh my gosh yeah yeah I'm super excited it's gonna be amazing and so she's doing everything in the lodge under the stars um in the center part of the room by the fireplace Oh my God. Okay. Well, I can't hold you any longer. You have a lodge to go finish building. <laughs> you I have know. Two weeks. <laughs> we're almost done. Oh, um, we're so almost cool. there. So, oh my gosh. It'll, it'll, it's close. I just find you like so fascinating. When I heard you on Stacy's show, I could not believe that you like took this all on with zero experience as a wedding planner or event coordinator. You didn't even have your own wedding. You never even planned your own no. wedding. And now you're doing this. No. It's just amazing. No, but the thing is, is once you find something you like, it's amazing how quickly you learn things and to find people, you know, like you said, Stacy, find people, you know, Stacy was a huge resource for me with the short-term rentals. Yeah. So I focused on short-term rentals first yeah. and then I've slowly added things, but finding those people that have done it like reach out to them. And I wasn't scared to, you know, I listened to a podcast and, and and I would discover something someone was doing and I would message them Mm -hmm. and, and say, you know, this is what I'm doing. And they would give me advice and tips. So finding those people, like, don't be scared. Um, most people, I haven't had anybody close the door on me yet. Most people are willing to share their knowledge and, and their tips and tricks and things that they've learned. It's, you know, it's okay to try new things. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, right? for sure. How, how on that note, is the short-term rental piece going for you? I know everyone's complaining that bookings are down and stuff, but I feel like you guys probably are offering something so unique. Do you feel like things are slow or are you guys doing okay? Um, last summer, so we, we only did a handful of events last year. Um, because we would do an event and I would, and then I wouldn't allow another one for a, a couple of weeks because I would see what we would need to fix in between each one. So we were booked completely like during this, like the, all, all the time in the summer, but we're close to Saratoga Springs. Like I said, it's a, um, 
a very touristy place. And a lot of people don't necessarily want to stay in Saratoga. They want to be out a little bit. So we were completely booked. Once October hit, we were not filling up as much during the week. We have um, October's actually peak wedding season around here because of the colors of the leaves. Mm. They want to get married with with that. So So we were booked there. Once November came, our, our midday week bookings dropped quite a bit. We, we've been booked every weekend, but not during the week so much. So I've noticed that as far as a slowdown, but I think it's also just the time of the year. So I don't necessarily know if it's an, an Airbnb kind of thing, or if it's just that the seasonality, you know, last weekend it was negative 15. Mm. Like nobody wants to come (laughs) and, and, you know, be in a cabin when it's freezing. So the weekends have been full, but it's also right now romance season. So all of the cabins are these like romantic couple getaways, but we're full. I mean, every weekend for February is taken for both cabins. So it's just the middle of the week I've noticed has slowed down. Do you guys have a cleaning staff or are you cleaning them? I have one person that helps us right now with the two and I will have to this summer once we have everything going and we're back to full swing, I will have to add, I think we were talking about it just this week. I think I'll have to add two more people. Yeah. Um, between the, because we have the two bathhouses and the lodge, the cabins and the glamping tents, once all that. And once you have a wedding, they all turn over at the same time. So yeah, that's so much all like Sunday, you're going to have like correct of back to back. Yeah. So. so I think what I'm going to do this summer is once we have a wedding, I don't think I'm going to do same day turnover the next day. Yeah. I you, think I'm going to give um, the staff a, a day to clean everything because it's not just the cabins, but the, it's the grounds. The grounds. Going yeah. through and making sure there's no garbage on the trails and that type of a thing. So I think I'm going to give myself an extra day. How much do you guys even make on like a Sunday night booking? Like, is it, I feel like it's not even a huge loss to just. It's not, no, no. And we do have a lot of guests that will in the summertime stay till Monday. Okay. Um, But as far as like a, like booking on a Sunday, it's so rare. Yeah. So uh, to make, you know, life more enjoyable and to take that stress out, I'm just not even going to make those available and give give us all a chance to catch a breath because when you're working a wedding, you're working the entire weekend. So if we need to order pizza and sit by a bonfire on set on Sunday and mm-hmm. just regroup as a team, then that's okay. Yeah. And I think we hear a lot of the hustle and the, you know, like you have to have same day turnovers and keep going and pushing, but you also need to stop and have a slice of pizza on your fancy flannel yeah. and celebrate what you've accomplished. Because if you don't, take those breaks, you're, you're going to, you're going to burn out. Yeah. And I'm in this for the long haul and I, I want to make this something special. And I want the people who work here to love it just as much as I do. And we can't push ourselves like that. We've, we've got to build in those times and it's okay. I'm telling everybody it's okay to take that day. Um, we don't need to push ourselves so much. Okay, Helen. And then the final thing I'd love to touch with you on is how you structure the different business entities between the short-term rentals and the and the event space. Is there anything you're doing there? Yes. So the short-term rentals, they are one company, one LLC. The event venue space is another. So the pavilions, they fall under um, my one LLC for just the events. Okay. My cabins, the glamping tents, the lodge. Actually, no, the lodge falls with the pavilion. 
um, because we do small events in there. So anything that doesn't hold a small event, that's under one company. And then I use Airbnb, VRBO, or direct booking to take care of that. So they're completely separate and they don't own the buildings. They lease them. And that was something that my um, attorney had recommended and it helps with your liability. It helps with the insurance and that piece, but it also means you have to have a separate insurance for each one. Oh my gosh. So you have insurance for the event business. You have insurance for the short-term rental business. So you, you, they're completely two separate entities or two separate businesses. So you're based, so you actually own like three businesses in a way, because there's the venue, the entire campgrounds, Brookledge NY has its own LLC. And then the short-term rentals are leasing or arbitraging basically from there for STR. And then your venue space is being leased from the big one. Correct. Okay. And that is just a way, because there's so many things that can go wrong with events or, people staying at cabins, someone trips and falls, you know, those types of things. Um, It just helps to protect you as the owner. It helps with your insurance. It just helps to keep things cleaner and more separate. That's amazing. Helen, I will let you go. You have a lodge to finish building and a dress and a secret (laughs) wedding to plan. But thank you so much. This will come out in March. So I'll have to catch up with you. after this, after the secret yeah. wedding and see how it all yeah. went. Yeah, so in March, we'll have to have everyone, we'll have to go to like see the, um, well, I mean, I'll put it all on my social media. Okay. We'll um, link all of that. And and your Instagram yeah. and all your social is Brookledge NY. Yeah, Brookledge, New York. Um, so Brookledge NY. And yeah, everything is there. And yeah, so we'll get to see Kendra and Joe and their oh. surprise wedding. So make sure you go take a look at that. If, um, I'm just so excited. If anybody listening wants to book a short-term rental stay with you or book a wedding with you, will they find those forms through your social media or is there another website they should go to? Brookledge NY is also our website. Okay. So yeah, they can go through there, um, but really reaching out to me through social media and I can help you you know, schedule that if you want to come and take a tour or if you want to book a cabin, I can kind of guide you through those things. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Helen. Thank you, Natalie. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, we have a host who posted a situation they're dealing with on a Facebook group, and I'm just going to read to you what they are dealing with, okay? So here we go. She says, hey guys, I just received an offer from an influencer for one of my units, and I wanted to run it by the community here to see what you think. It's the first time I've been presented with such an offer, so I'm trying to think through the pros and cons. This is the influencer. She then provides an Instagram link and a TikTok link, okay? I'm not going to link the person. I'm not going to call them out, but let me tell you their followers, okay? IG, 2,500 followers. TikTok, 500 followers, okay? And then she posts a link to her Airbnb and says she reached out today requesting a free booking for March 17th through 19th in exchange for her making some content and sharing it to her followers. If she or another tenant were to pay full price for this weekend, it would be $716. It's perhaps one of the most prime weekends out of the whole year as this is the this is the right towards the final days. Okay, major typos. But basically she says this is the most prime weekend of the year as it is the final days before South by Southwest. And our unit is located in a prime location in Austin. I'm certain that whether or not she books it, this weekend will get filled at a good rate one way or the other. We continue. On the other hand, 
Working with influencers has been on my radar, so I am open to the possibility that giving away these $700 may result in many more bookings down the road. If nothing else, it may be a $700 lesson in working with influencers. What would you do if you were in my shoes? Would you take the deal? If so, what would you require and what terms would you ask for? What are some of the considerations that come to mind for you? Thanks. You guys already know what I'm going to say on this one. Like, do we even need to spend time on this? Why would you give away a $700 weekend that is guaranteed to be booked, it's South by Southwest in Austin, to a girl with 2,500 Instagram followers and 500 TikTok followers? I cannot believe the audacity of this girl to even ask the host. She is clearly the Airbnb hole. And what's so sad is that so many hosts, I think, hear that like, oh, influencer marketing is a good way to do business and grow your thing. So they hear this and they're like, wow, an influencer is interested in my place. Do not fall for this. These kind of people, they send these messages to so many different hosts and they're just seeing who takes the bait. Do not fall for this. She is not legit in any way. A true influencer would never approach you like that. They would come to you with a brand sheet of all of their engagement breakdown. You wouldn't have to search for their Instagram and TikTok. They would give you all of their engagement rates and who their follower demographic is. This is so unprofessional and it's so sad to me that this girl is trying to take advantage of hosts who don't know any better and think that they might be getting a good deal. To this host, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but if you do, please do not take this deal. This is such a ripoff and such a scam. You're going to get that weekend booked anyway and honestly raise your prices. 700 is too cheap for that weekend. You got this. Stay confident. And that quote unquote influencer is the Airbnb hole. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.